0: Welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Podcast. We're a real community of people who are passionate about pursuing God and growing in our relationship with Him. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit northridge.org.au. To start tonight, I wanted to, I really have a strong sense that this passage is about breakthrough. Um, and that's kind of one of those, it's potentially one of those Christianese words that we use quite a lot and it loses its meaning, but the reality of it is, is so precious that our God, um, our God orchestrates for us breakthrough in our lives that we would, that we would experience by his spirit. Oops, I just walked into a microphone. That's no, all right. I'm just going to move forward a bit that we would experience because of, because of the breakthrough in Jesus Christ and his resurrection, and well, his death and his resurrection, that we get to share in that breakthrough. And so before we start tonight, I just want to declare that the Holy Spirit would manifest in such a way that, those, that people among us who have been hungering for um, a breakthrough that tonight would be that night, that there would be a shift, and I really feel the spirit on this, so I'm just going to keep praying into it, that, that tonight, for people who have, have sensed that there's just this sense that, you know, life is just this constant, constant toil and constant, you know, get up, all the days seem to merge into one, and I just want to pray for breakthrough into that tonight, um, into hope. And to hope. So we're going to read from Exodus chapter 12. And you'll appreciate why it's the chapter about breakthrough. We have been tracking with the Israelites who have been in Egypt for the past five weeks or past four weeks as we've been speaking about um, the book of Exodus. And we know that at the end of Genesis, Joseph is in Egypt with his brothers and all their, all their family. They're, they're in Egypt and they have a pretty good relationship, pretty good political situation. Joseph has kind of proved himself to be a, a good steward and so in the land of Egypt, they, the Israelites pretty much have favor. And then they, they kind of multiply as, as they do somehow. And, um, and then a new king or a new dynasty or a new, a new person comes to power. We read that in Exodus 1 verse 8 that um, a new king comes over Egypt to be the To be the ruler, and this king has not such a favourable disposition to the memory of Joseph. Um, Joseph had, up to that point, presumably been somewhat of a legendary figure, but this king evidently feels threatened. He feels threatened by the memory of this legendary Joseph. He feels threatened by the fact that the Israelites are multiplying, and he he theorises that. should the Israelites keep growing, that, they, that the, Egypt, the Egyptians might go to war and the people that they go to war with might be joined by the Israelites and they would be defeated and the Israelites would go up from the land. And so he, he begins to oppress them and they, they become slaves in the land of Egypt. What was once to them a, a sanctuary it becomes becomes something oppressive to them, and then a um, one of the the one of the Levite men, he asks out one of the Levite women to go on a date, and um, the product of that was this guy called Mo. Well, he wasn't a guy straight away, but this baby called Moses, who was drawn from the water. And Mum kind of hides him for three months, and then realizes this really isn't going to work because, unfortunately, the, the king, the, the king, um, the pharaoh had ordered that all the baby all the baby boys be, be killed um, at the time of at the time that they're born. It's pretty sad. It's pretty tragic. And so Mum realizes that she's not going to be able to to hide Joseph, uh, not Joseph, not going to be able to hide Moses forever. And so she builds this little basket and puts Moses in it and, and covers it with tar and goes to where the, the, the daughter of Pharaoh kind of comes to wash and stuff and, and puts it in there hoping that you know she will, she will find it and that she will look after him and the plan works out. I always, it's, it's one of those kind of breathless moments, I think, in, in the scriptural story, like there's so much that could have gone wrong and yet God knew exactly what he was doing um, and so Moses, he grows up, he, he has an Egyptian education, as well as presumably some kind of Hebrew education. Uh, and one day, he, he has kind of a, a justice spirit, so one day he, um, he, he goes outside and it's, like, it's probably time that I go, and he's 40 years old, he goes out and it's probably time I go and find out, you know, how my, my Israelite brothers and sisters are doing. And he comes across an Egyptian who's abusing, um, who's abusing an Israelite. And he actually, he kills the Egyptian. And so, after that, he goes out the next day and he sees two Israelites who are fighting each other. And he goes, you know, why, why are you, you guys are brothers, why are you, why are you fighting each other? And I imagine at that point that, that some form of potentially some form of disillusionment had set in 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 Moses', in Moses spirit, thinking, "You know I, I thought it was, I thought this thing was simple. I thought it was just Egyptians versus Israelites, and it was that simple, But, but he sees two, of, two, um, two Israelites fighting each other. I imagine at that point it would have been a pretty disillusioning moment to realize that the the boundaries of who's on whose team is actually pretty murky. But, Anyway, Moses has to flee the country because um, Pharaoh wants to kill him, so that's a pretty good reason to get out of there. And he goes and he's in the land of Midian and he sits down by a well and then he saves some people from, uh, who are kind of harassing them. And then Moses, one day, he, he kind of marries into this family, the family of Jethro. And then Jethro... Sends him off with the flocks, so and Moses is tending tending Jethro's flock, and he, he goes and uh, he goes over to this mountain, and there's a burning bush there. Uh, and he goes, "Oh, it's funny. Like it's maybe not funny. It's maybe not that out of out of character for a bush to be burning. Like it's in the hot sort of desert area, but this burning, this bush is burning, and he must have been looking at it for some time because he realised that the bush is burning and yet not consumed." And from there, he has a conversation with God, the God of his father and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he realizes that he is being called to deliver the people of Israel. And so after that, Moses goes back to Egypt. It doesn't go so well at first, but then um, Moses has been given power from God and these plagues start to come on Egypt uh, and they kind of escalate in severity and, and where we find our story is in Exodus chapter 12 is we have the climax of these, these plagues uh, on Egypt that are the purpose of which is to kind of persuade Pharaoh to, to let his people go, to let the Israelites go. And so we read in chapter 12 that the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That night... They are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire, with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it over till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. And this is how you you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So it's a pretty meaty passage. (laughs) um, um, It has a lot to say. I think one of the things I first skipped over when I I first read this is the first two verses, it's it's kind of one of those introduction things that you just go, yeah, whatever, months, years. Uh, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. And um, I don't know how many of you like buying calendars. I don't know if that's a thing, whether at the beginning of the year you're like, yes, this means I get to buy a new calendar. (laughs) But this is actually a pretty special moment for the Israelites. If you can imagine their toil and slavery in Egypt, there probably wouldn't have been much of a sense of, you know, this day is coming up, this festival is coming up, this celebration, it would have just been end-to-end, day-to-day, for the last 400 years or whatever, we have been, we have just been slaving. That's, that's all we do. And now God is giving them a sense of rhythm and structure to their year. And I think that's just a cool point. And sometimes, I, I think the lesson for me was not to skip over the, the verses that seem to, not necessarily speak right into my situation right away, but the more I thought about it, the more I think, yeah, I could I could really benefit from from rhythm in my life, from an idea that, you know, on this day or or this morning that I will remember and I will celebrate what the Lord has done in my life maybe in this particular way. And so God is building building into the rhythm of the lives of the Israelites a way for them to have these festivals. Uh, so this chapter 12 uh, um, chunk that we've just read is is kind of a description of a festival that they are to keep as an ongoing ordinance um, and back in egypt all the days presumably had merged into one homogenous blob of days with nothing to divide up time into rest and work they had been worked to the bone by pharaoh but now things are different to be, going to be different under god's rule the flow of life was now to be broken up and punctuated by days where they could remember the practical goodness of God in their lives. And I also think it's worth drawing attention to, I mean, this is right at the end of the the passage, is that the first thing that God tells the Israelites to do as a nation is to celebrate with a feast. The most important thing that they could do is to eat together and remember the story of their salvation from Egypt that God was mighty to save. Salvation was the beginning of the adventure for them. Not a promise that everything would be easy going forward, but they were to be fueled by their memories of God's practical goodness. And this feast was one way they could remember that. So celebration is the first kind of application point we have, I think, from this passage, that, that we are actually commanded to celebrate and in this sense I think it means remembering remembering where we have been taken out from by the hand of God and the next thing that I really see in this passage is this idea of reverence so at about this time, if you were to be at the RSL club, do we have any people who frequent the RSL club? Yeah. No. Yes. Very good. Um, the, about this time, I think six o'clock each night, um, there will be kind of a darkening of the lights, and, and I think people will, will face the east, and some uh, they have like it's almost like a mini service of remembrance for people who've gone to war. Um, and so the reverence that I'm talking about kind of comes from this idea of, of remembering that freedom defined biblically is a costly enterprise. That freedom de- defined biblically is, is not something necessarily free in terms of its cost. So we recognize as a society that freedom is costly, and that the value of freedom is hard to enjoy when we don't appreciate its cost. One of the things we learn from this passage is that freedom was a costly endeavour. It is good to acknowledge the sense of heaviness that is mingled with the sense of excitement and hope in this passage. Firstly, the lamb in itself was costly. It's unlikely that for a people under such oppression, there would have been too many spare, unblemished male lambs or goats lying around. This freedom journey was something in which they were invested very practically Furthermore, it is important to recognize that the cost of freedom for the Israelites was judgment on the Egyptians, that God passed through the land and struck down every firstborn among them. It was the protective covering of the lamb's blood on the lintel and the two doorposts that was assigned to God to stand watch over their houses and make sure that the houses were untouched by death. Freedom is costly and it needs to be remembered as such. Many of us are separated by a generation or more from someone who has had to fight in a war. And perhaps we too, like the Israelites did in the Old Testament, are in the process of forgetting the story of our freedom. Sharing our stories of freedom is a commandment because it is actually essential to staying on track with God and in life. The other thing that I think this passage teaches is that We do this as a community, that this is a community journey into freedom. Verse 3 of chapter 12 is the first time in the whole Bible, I mean it's only two books in so it's not that dramatic, but the first time in the whole Bible where the people of Israel are addressed as a community or a congregation. It is their journey to freedom that binds them together as a group you know at any given time, some people are going to be feeling stronger or more able than others. And there is no shame in this for anyone. In fact, I think this is part of the design of community. I bet that on that night that the Israelites left Egypt, that there were men, women and children who were terrified. Perhaps all of them were. But it doesn't make any of them less on the journey to freedom or any less under God's protection. So let's continue meeting together in reverent celebration as a community, aware of each other and aware of the God who brought us out of the Egypt of sin. And lastly, I think, as Chris mentioned, I think in the first week, that this, the, the, the gospel story is, is evident throughout, throughout the book of Exodus and probably emphasized in this passage. Uh, a big part of this passage is the importance of the Lamb. And we know from the New Testament that Jesus is the Lamb of God the Lamb who in revelation was slain before the foundation of the world. And it can be hard sometimes to get from that image of death to the message of freedom. And it takes a bit of interpretation and a bit of understanding. But the blood of Jesus is a covering over our lives and a cleansing agent from the stickiness of sin when Jesus was then raised from the dead after giving everything for us, God vindicated him before all the heavenlies and everything on earth. There is power in the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. So coming back to that theme of, of breakthrough in our lives, I wonder if, I wonder if there are people that, that may need that, may be in need, that, Perhaps like the Israelites in Egypt, you feel like the days are kind of stretched and merged into one blob of toil, and it seems endless. And I want to encourage you tonight that just as, just as God heard the cry of the Israelites in their plight in Egypt, that he has heard your cry. And that he is, in that he has been and he is mobilizing angels, people and orchestrating a breakthrough for you. And for some of us it may simply mean remembering that we've, that who we are in Christ. For some of us it may be remembering a moment that we've had with God that spoke to us more than any other moment did. And remembering the message that God had for us at that time, and maybe that will contain the power to sustain us, sustain us in our lives, sustain us day to day. In thinking about tonight, I... I, I had three things that I I wanted to encourage people to get prayer for. Um, The first of them is if if you are feeling like there is little hope, then let's pray. Let's pray. Not right now, but we will in a few minutes. And if you are feeling... This one was a bit random. It kind of came out of nowhere. But if you are feeling a fear of death, let's pray. And finally, if you are feeling a, a sense of shame or that your sin is too big for God to forgive, then I think also we should pray. Hmm. So why don't we stand? Hmm. I realize that we've got a lot of time, probably a bit more time than usual. So why don't we um, set our affection, set our our heart on on God and just become aware of His presence, whether that be physically or um, in any other way. It might be paying attention to thoughts, paying attention to... um, stuff going on around the room and why don't we just become aware of his presence and Holy Spirit I just invite you to move across this room I just invite you to move across this room in power and Lord for any any individuals that are, are suffering and feel like they're those, they are living that story of the Israelites in Egypt. That it seems oppressive, that life seems a day-to-day oppression, Lord. Lord, I just speak breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I just pray that hope would, would encounter each individual. Hmm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.